Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Appreciate all the prayer I can get. Um, I love it. We've got something from in the creche for the lilies, for the young ones, and then we've got something in the seniors for the, I was going to say older, but I'll say the more mature among us. Uh, and we desire to minister to every single stage of life. We want something for the, the youngest through to the oldest in our congregation. We desire to be an intergenerational church, which means that all generations are represented, all generations are given space to be able to minister, to be able to be who God has called them to be. We're not a a younger people's church, we're not an older people's church, we are Jesus' church, and Jesus' church represents the community that we're placed in. So uh, we want to continue to celebrate the, the intergenerational idea. And I say it in a way that is not just... I think we, we, we have a representation of every generation in our church community. But to go a step beyond that, where all of those generations are actually working together, walking together to see the plan and purpose of God outworked. And so that is uh, an invitation for us to be part of whatever we may be part of in helping to celebrate and champion that, that uh, culture. Yeah? Awesome. Just as well, let me add on to the, the Graceline weekend. If you want to register today, it's the last day for the early bird price, which is $20. Uh, and it's going to be great. It's going to be a really, you know, it's from 9 o'clock to 1 o'clock on that Saturday. And uh, we're going to have a couple of sessions. We're going to have time of prayer, encounter kind of stuff. And uh, we have Pastor Alex coming all the way from Livingston just to be with us. Uh, And to add to that, on the Friday night from 7 p.m., we're looking at doing a a worship and prayer night, which is not necessarily part of that weekend, but we just had it in our heart to actually worship and and, and to worship together. So that's going to be in Malaga, 7 p.m. on the Friday night, not official of that weekend. So if you don't register, you're not coming to the actual Saturdays, feel free to come along to that as well. But we just want to get our hearts right before God and, and worship Him. Yeah? Yeah. You, are you awake this morning? Good. Good. Let me just start off this morning and I can pick it up. I love it when, when God by His Spirit confirms what you feel to bring in the Word. It's come through the songs. It's come through Andrew hosting this morning. And uh, I've been feeling this since probably two weeks ago at our, our counter prayer night. Um, just this burning thought about the name of Jesus the name of Jesus. Now, I'm a bit of a joker, and I know not everyone gets my sense of humor, but some people do, and so those people, please do not call out the answers to these questions, okay? I'm looking at you, Pete Wiegand. Um, I've got a couple of questions here about names, okay, and I want you to just think about this. who, Who is this name? Ready? What do you call a lady who always sets fire to her power bill and her phone bill. Bernadette. Get it? She burns a debt. I'm just getting warmed up. Just give me some space. What do you call a man who is... Where's Kyle? He will know these as well. What do you call a man who is shaking in a pile of leaves? Russell. 
What do you call a man who has a shovel as a head? Doug. What do you call a man who doesn't have a shovel as a head? Doug Less. Yes, you got it. What do you call a man who's always standing at your front door? Matt. Yes. And what do you call a man who is always stealing stuff? Rob. This is a good one. This is, you're going to get this one. What do you call a man who has no shins? Toe knee. Get it? Toe and knee, no shin between. That is awesome. Why are you not laughing? And the last one, drum roll please. <laughs> oh, thank you. What do you call a woman who stands outside when it's windy? Gail. Awesome, eh? Didn't write those myself, so I can't take credit for them, but praise the Lord for them. You know, names are important, aren't they? Names are significant. Names carry things. When we see in the scriptures in particular, when a name is attributed to God, when someone calls God by name, it shows elements of his character. It shows who he is. It shows us his nature. When we, we call upon the name uh, Jehovah Jireh, it's the Lord our provider. We, we see that there is provision in our God. He provides for us. He is our healer. He is our redeemer. He is the one who brings salvation. And we've heard it this morning that there is no other name by which any man can be saved other than the name of Jesus. But I feel like there can be a time, you know, we, we can kind of get to a point in uh, following Jesus where we become familiar with the name of Jesus, where we just kind of get used to the name of Jesus. And what I want to do today is kind of bring us back to that first passion and desire and, and the fire and the power and the authority that the early church saw when they heard the name of Jesus. And to start off, we're going to start in a passage in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. And to give you a little context of what's taken place, Jesus has called together 72 of his disciples, and he has sent them out two by two into the world. He's told them to go and proclaim the gospel. He's told them to go and pray for the sick, go and pray that people would be delivered from the demonic oppression that they are suffering. And so he sent them out into the world. We then read in verse 17, it says, When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. So this is what happens. They sent out, and Jesus says, this is what you're going to go and do. I'm giving you authority. I'm giving you the authority of my name, and you're going to go and pray for the sick. You're going to pray and cast out demons. This is what Jesus says to them. And then they run back. I've got kids and, and they are, you know, when they're excited to tell you something, they kind of like push each other out of the way to see who gets to tell mum or dad first when they've got some good news. You know, they've, they've had something exciting happen. They rush into the house and they want to tell you and they'll be like, I want to say it. No, let me tell. Let me tell. That's the picture that I get here when I read this. The disciples have gone out and they have seen Jesus do what he said he was going to do. And they saw that as they prayed for people who were afflicted by demonic powers, that they were set free by using his name. And they run back and it says that they joyfully reported. It's like, Jesus, you're not going to believe what happened. You are not going to believe what's happened. We've gone out and we've prayed and people have been delivered. 
They're full of joy at what they have seen take place because of the authority of the name of Jesus. And I love the NLT, how it puts verse 18. Listen to Jesus' response. Yes. Yes. Almost like, yeah, I told you that was going to happen, guys. You're super excited, but I said that this was what's going to take place, that when you pray for people in my name, you're actually going to see the authority of Jesus outworked. And so he's like, yeah, almost kind of like that, I told you so. He doesn't seem as excited as they are about what's taken place. He says, yes, he told them. I saw Satan fall like heaven, fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all of the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions, which is good in Ellenbrook to know that, and crush them, and nothing will injure you. Don't, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. So I'm going to get to that part in a bit, which is important because Jesus says, give that the priority. But we do need to take note that they actually saw this take place. And Jesus is like, yeah, I get it. That's what happens in my name. That's the authority that I've got. You want to see the authority at work? I saw Satan fall. I saw the darkest of powers fall. And I get it. I've given you authority. There is authority in the name of Jesus. There is power in Jesus' name. Church, this morning, I want us to grab a revelation that there is power in the name of Jesus. That as they went out, they, they prayed in the name of Jesus and they saw the miraculous take place. Here's a couple of examples that we see later on in Scripture where, where we see the name of Jesus and the authority of Jesus working miraculous power. Acts chapter 16, verse 18 talking about a, a, a lady that was a girl that was uh, oppressed by a demonic spirit. And it says, she continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. And he turned to her and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out of her at that very moment. Here is an example of the name of Jesus being used for deliverance. It's not in the authority of Paul. It's not in the authority of man. It is in the authority of the name of Jesus that this happened. We see in Acts chapter 3, Peter, and, Peter is called upon to, to heal someone. And Peter says, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I, do give, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. The man gets up and walks. So we see that there is deliverance. In the name of Jesus. And now there is healing in the name of Jesus. This is key and crucial to the Christian life because we have been given the authority of Jesus to walk in the authority of Jesus. We see this take place not long after uh, Peter. Uh, not long after Peter sees this miraculous healing take place, where he called on the name of Jesus, we see that they're actually arrested. And they're taken before the Sanhedrin or before the, uh, the priests. And uh, in verse 6 of Acts chapter 4, it says, Annas, the high priest, was there along with Cyphus, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. 
they brought in the two disciples and they demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? They recognized later, it says, that they were ordinary, uneducated men who have been with Jesus. And so they knew that these men were not doing this, working miraculous uh, power in their own accord. They knew that there was an authority that had been given to them, a power by which they were ministering that was not of this world. And so they asked, whose authority or whose name do you work these miracles in? Now, they might have been thinking it was magic or they were thinking that, it was, that they were the children of Beelzebub, that, which is what they had been re- referred to Jesus as, working miracles by the power of Beelzebub or by the power of the devil, that he was working uh, dark kind of power. But they're asking, whose name do you do these things in? Who is the one that gives you authority to do this? Does anyone question your life? And say, by whose authority are you living in? Who has given you the power to do what you do? I dare say if we can live in the power of our own lives and do everything as we would, separated as we could if we were separated from Jesus, then perhaps we're missing something. If people aren't looking at our lives and saying, that person is walking in some sort of authority and seeing some sort of power that is supernatural, that is beyond their own means, by what name are they living? It's a little challenge for us today. Because if you can live your life just as you would live your life if you weren't in relationship with Jesus, maybe that's a little indication to us that we're missing out on something. That He has great power and authority that He desires to work in and through us. And it's not just the disciples that saw this. We see in Luke chapter 9, verse 49, that uh, John comes back to Jesus and he says to Jesus, Master, we saw other men casting demons out using your name. They weren't disciples. They just picked up that there's power in the name of Jesus and they're casting out demons. And then, and, and then John says, but we told them to stop because they're not with us. And Jesus is like, well, just kind of let them do. If they're, if they're bringing the kingdom, then just let them, let them go. But they picked up that there's power and authority in the name of Jesus. I wonder if they knew more than us today the power and authority in the name of Jesus, even though they didn't personally know Jesus. You see, when you are called by him and you are commissioned for him, you are given authority. You are given his authority. And that authority is not to be used as this world would use authority, which is to enslave and to uh, dominate. But the authority of Jesus is to be used to liberate, to bring freedom to the captive, to set the captive free. That is what the authority is for. There was, this has been a, a thing that has worked through kingdoms for you know, all of time pretty much where the king would have delegates or uh, representatives that would go on their behalf to carry a message or to carry, uh, carry out a duty. They were called the, the king's messengers or the king's vessels. And the king wouldn't necessarily go into the other territory, but they would send someone delegated with the authority and the responsibility of the kingdom to go in. 
And they were as good as the king's presence to that kingdom. And they were there, and what they said was as a representative of the king. The things that they declared, the things that they brought forth, the words that they said was almost like they had been given the authority. Like I'm standing as a representative of the king. Can I tell you that when you come to Christ, you have been called a representative of the kingdom of heaven. You have been given authority to, to bring forth that which is of the kingdom of God into your reality. You have been commissioned for this. You have been given authority for this. We see it later in the generations where, uh, in the UK in particular, uh, they had the king who would then have a king's uh, messenger who would go on their behalf. And they would carry this thing which was like a red passport. And this red passport actually gave them access. This is not a red passport, by the way. This is my marriage register. Uh, this, this, we're not doing a ceremony this morning. This, uh, this, although some of the people's names in this church are in this book, rejoice that your name is registered legally. They would have this red, red passport which gave them access to any area in the kingdom and what they said was to be authorized as if the king had said it. It had the seal of the king upon it. And so what they spoke was authorized by the king. You have been given all access. You have been given authority to bring about God's kingdom into your world. You carry the authority and the stamp and the seal of His Holy Spirit to bring about His purposes and His plans. You have got that passport. There was a French term for it, and I'll do it in a French accent. Which uh, they used in the French kingdom, which meant, let it be done and let them pass. Meaning that whoever carried this, what they said, needed to be enforced, as the king had said it. And wherever they went, they had access to go anywhere. You have been given authority by Jesus. Okay? You have been given authority to go and represent him. So we see then that Jesus gives us authority. Now we go back to what he says. He says, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you, but rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Jesus is a really smart person. He's a real, I love him. He, he just has so much wisdom. And when I read the scriptures, I see the wisdom in it. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who, you know, this is kind of a leadership kind of principle coming up here, that when... I'm looking for someone to step into a place of authority or a role of responsibility. One of the tests is, do they rejoice at authority? Just sit with that for a second. Do they rejoice in having authority? Or do they rejoice in just being who they are called to be and living out what God called them to do? What do I mean? Do they rejoice because now they get to tell people what to do? Do they, get, do they rejoice? Does it make them feel good that now they get to tell people what they should be doing? Because that is a sign of immaturity. And when Jesus says, don't rejoice because of that, like that's going to come. Like the power is going to come. Instead, rejoice because your name is registered in heaven. Here is three little, three little things that flow into each other. Identity, intimacy, and authority. 
Identity, intimacy, and authority. Identity grounds our authority. Intimacy guards our authority. What do I mean by this? Identity grounds authority. When they say, your name, Jesus, is powerful, we're seeing all these things. And he he uses the same term. And he says, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your name is written. Your name is written. Now, why is your name written? Not because you worked miracles. Not because you, you called on, not because you spoke power by the name of Jesus, but because you called upon the name of Jesus. That is why your name is written. Why is your name written? Your name is written because he has adopted you, because he has set you free, because he has saved you, because he did everything necessary for you to come into relationship with him. Here's the first thing. It's about our identity. When our identity is is strong, then our authority is grounded because we're not making decisions or exercising authority out of a place of insecurity. I work with, um, I have done a lot of work with teenagers, and one of the things that I've witnessed as time has gone on, where we see a young person in particular who has come from a broken home where there is instability, there is a lot of perhaps trauma, uh, and they go on to find a relationship and at times get into a relationship, fall pregnant, and have a child. What I have witnessed is that the, the young person doesn't really know who they are, and therefore they parent from a place of brokenness and insecurity. Now they have authority over another life. They're responsible for another life. But the way that outworks is often from that place of broken identity. And so they continue to perpetuate some of the things that they have experienced rather than being healthy and whole. It's not necessarily their fault because that's all they have known. But you see that maybe they'll explode. Maybe they, they, they just don't know what to do. And it comes from places of insecurity. And so it is, it is so important for us to find our identity, not in the authority Jesus has given us, but that we are children of, of God. My identity doesn't come because I'm a pastor. My identity doesn't come out of a role. It doesn't come out of what I do. It comes out of who I am. And when my identity is strong in the Lord, then the authority that we exercise is grounded. Yeah? That's why we've got to do that work to let him show us who, who, who he says that we are. But identity doesn't just deal with who we are. It deals with why we are. And when your identity is formed and you understand not just who you are, but why you are here, then that also helps to ground our authority. When I understand that I am actually on this earth to represent Jesus, he hasn't taken me yet and he hasn't come back yet. So I've got something to do. And my role on this earth is actually to fulfill and carry out his will and purposes. Then I know not just who I am, but why I am. And when I understand why I am, then the authority that has been delegated to me becomes about carrying out His will and purpose, not my own. Identity, it grounds our authority. Intimacy guards our authority. Again, we see that it is possible to walk in authority as these people that called on the name of Jesus but did not know Jesus. 
so that there is great power and authority, it is possible to see things take place but not have relationship with Jesus, which brings us to one of the most sobering passages in the New Testament, which is uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. It says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. On judgment day, listen to this, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. There will be people on that day who said, in your name I prophesied, in your name I worked miracles. And what will be the qualification of, the, of this, this, this time? Not what you did, but did you know him? More importantly, did he know you? It's about intimacy with him, relationship with him. That is what guards our authority. I've seen so many people walk off track in their relationship with Jesus whilst they're still carrying some sort of authority, leadership position, whatever it may be, and you see the damage that that does to people. It is destructive. What is more important than any role, any responsibility, is the relationship we have with Jesus. And there may be times when you're called to lay something down because your relationship is not right, because your walk with Jesus is all over the place. It is better to step out of that place of authority or whatever it may be and work upon your relationship with Him than it is to continue in that. And when we know our identity and when we're walking in intimacy, then the exercising of God's authority comes from a healthy place that brings about liberation. It's not about me trying to meet some sort of need to be desired or liked or to feel like I have power or status. It's about exercising from a place of closeness with Him. What does He want to take place in this world? What does He want? It helps me to see other people from His perspective. Not as someone just to be told what to do, but as someone that He loves and wants to bring freedom to, wants to bring salvation to. Identity will ground our authority. Intimacy will guard our authority. And we work on those two things and just let the other stuff flow. Don't focus on, don't necessarily focus on building your authority. We get that wrong. Focus on cultivating a strong relationship with Jesus. And as you do that, things are going to flow from your life. You with me? He says, it's, it's not because you know, there will be people who used my name and did all these miraculous things, but they didn't actually know me. Get to know Jesus and then walk in the authority. Exercise the authority. We see it in um, Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy, and when he's talking about uh, setting up the local church, he gives him some instructions on choosing elders and deacons who will then govern, be in a place of authority in the church. One of the things that he says is do not appoint a new believer. 
He says, don't put a new Christian into a place of governance within the church where they're exercising authority because they might become proud and then the enemy will deceive them. What does that say to us? They may have all the gifting. They may have all, the, all of the charisma. But if they're still young in their faith, one, they haven't developed the intimacy with Jesus possibly. Two, they haven't got a proper identity. And so they're going to govern and lead from this other place, which is going to bring about pride. Yes, they may have still be commissioned and called to sometime be in that role. But he says, for now, not a wise, not a wise decision. You want to actually give authority to people who have been tested in those smaller things, who know who they are in Christ, walk closely with Christ, and then have space to govern, to lead. Because from that place, it will actually be healthy. It will build and not destroy the church. So there's a safeguard in that. Here's the second thing I want to talk about this morning, and it's this, in the name of Jesus is not just a nice way to end your prayer. You know, you've, you've probably got a way that you end your emails, like kind regards, or, you know, if you're emailing another Christian, you might say, blessings in Jesus. And at the end of every email, you probably put the same thing there, kind regards, Scott. Kind regards, best wishes, in whatever, however you end it. What, what, I'll let you in on a little secret, right? In the name of Jesus isn't an email footer for your prayer. Even though you probably say it every time you pray, in Jesus' name I pray, it's not just a little add-on to validate your prayers, we pray in the name of Jesus because he told us to pray in his name. And he said to us, whatever you ask in my name, it shall be given. Let's read from John chapter 12, verse, uh, sorry, John chapter 14, verse 12. It says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. John 15, chapter, uh, verse 16 says, You didn't choose me, I chose you. That's really good to know. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. Here is the pattern of prayer we see in the New Testament. We pray to the Father in the name of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. We, name, we pray to the Father in the name of the Son or in the authority of the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what prayer looks like. And so he says that you're actually approaching the Father in my name with, with that little red book. Like you're coming to the Father as a representative of me to pray. When you pray, you're not just adding in Jesus' name to make it sound Christian. You're actually saying, what I am asking for or what I am praying right now, I do so in the authority of Jesus. I do so on his behalf as, as a representative or a delegate of him. That is why I pray in Jesus' name. That is why I'm praying in Jesus' name. There is power in this. When we get a right revelation of this, that we're actually petitioning the Father, or we're coming to the Father in the name of the Son, we are praying with authority that in His name, anything we ask may be done. 
anything you ask. All right, now let's get to our broken humanity. Because our broken humanity tends to take things like this and twist them so that we are the center. It kind of distorts it so that we become the focus. Which means, so, so imagine this, right? In my little register here, this is, what, this is what Jesus is saying, is that your prayers are going to be like these pages. And at the bottom of the page, just right there, there's a seal of Jesus' name. And whatever you put in these prayers, in this page, and you give to the Father, he sees the seal of Jesus' name, and it will be done. So we take something like that, and we make it sound like Jesus wants to do for me whatever I want. Because he said that anything I ask, he's going to give me. And we take that and we say, Jesus wants to do everything for me, so I'm going to ask him for me. That's not what it means at all. It actually means the reverse. It means that he, he wants you to ask what he wants, and then he will give you anything you ask in his name. You're asking in his name. It's almost like you, you want a little filter to put your prayer through. Would Jesus pray this? Because I'm praying in his name. I'm asking on his behalf. Would Jesus pray this prayer? I'm asking on his behalf. And it becomes not just about Jesus, do for me what I want. It becomes about Jesus, how can I pray for what you want to take place? You want to see your prayers answered? Pray what Jesus wants. Best way. You want to see your prayers answered? How do you know what he wants? You seek him. You spend time with him. You develop intimacy with him. You ask him. And we tend to take that and we make it about us. But it's not about us. It's about him. That's where something like the prosperity gospel comes. And this is one of my pet peeves. Is the prosperity gospel which comes to say, God just wants to bless you financially, bless you materially. He, he just wants to, to bless you in all these different ways. And then you go over to a nation like Africa. You walk around India. You can't preach that gospel. He wants to save your soul and then prosper you in your being and perhaps add some other things to you. That is, not the, that, that is not the emphasis. The emphasis is relationship with Him. But we take it, we distort it, we make it about us. We create a false gospel. He says, anything you ask in my name, I will do it. So we've got to ask, what do you want, God? What do you want? Yeah, there was this, this uh, for a long time, there was this understanding that the earth was the center of the universe. And that the whole universe rotated around the earth. Which is pretty understandable that humanity would think that they are the center of the universe. You boil that down because many of us possibly think that we are the center of the universe. Me included. <laughs> and the understanding, it, it was actually called geocentric, that the, the, that the geo or the, or the rock or the, um, the planet Earth was the center of the universe and everything revolved around it. But then they came to this conclusion that it's actually heliocentric, which means that the whole universe spins around the sun. So the sun is at the center of the universe and the universe spins around the sun. 
let's take those two things for a minute. Because when it comes to praying, if we think that we are the center of the universe, then our prayers are going to revolve around us. But if we understand that Jesus is the center of the universe, then our prayers will revolve around Him and His will. So I take those two things, geocentric and heliocentric, and flip them to say heocentric or meocentric. Here is two ways that we can pray. We can pray meocentric prayers, which is about my will, my heart, my life, my, 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 my. Or we can pray heocentric prayer, which is about his will, his purpose, his life, his glory, his power, his authority. It's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And this is where you will see the flow of life take place. Not when you put yourself at the at the center of the universe, but when he is given his rightful place of authority and sovereignty in your life, you will see the flow-on effect of his power. And so he gives us this blank kind of page and says, pray in my name and anything you ask, it shall be done for you. May we pray in a way that Jesus would pray. Would we ask in a way that Jesus would ask? And yes, we see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he has this battle of wills. He's like, if you can, Lord, take this cup from me. Yeah, that, 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 that wrestling with, but not my will. Yours be done. Not meocentric. You, O oh Lord, your will be done. Let your will be done. He instructs us, how do you pray? They say, how do we pray? Well, he says, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Not my will, but your will. Here's the last thing that I want to leave us with this morning, with the, with the name of Jesus. With great power comes great responsibility. I thought it was a president who said that, but apparently it's Spider-Man. So the superheroes have contributed to this this morning. Let me read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For you know that we treated each of you as, as a father treats his own children, encouraging you, comforting you, and urging you to walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. You have been called by the name of Jesus to represent the name of Jesus. And so live a life that is worthy of that call. Live a life that represents that well. Because let me tell you something. Even though society would tell us that we can compartmentalize different parts of our lives, you can't take off the name of Jesus once you've been given it. It's not like a shirt that you can wear to church with a little fish symbol on it so everyone knows that you're a Christian. And then when you go to work, you chuck a different shirt on top so that nobody knows you're a Christian. Oh, yeah, that's so funny, eh? I, I try not to judge. But if you've got Jesus bumper stickers, you better drive, drive really well because I'm judging. If you cut me off and you got that Jesus is Lord on the back, I'm going to pray for you. You know what I'm saying? Like we carry the name of Jesus, which means that people are looking, people are watching. How would Jesus react in this situation? How would Jesus interact with this person? 
How, what, what, what would Jesus do in this, in this thing? And people don't ask you those questions, but I know I've been walking with the Lord for a few years now. I've seen people ask those questions. What, how come you're doing that? Why aren't you doing that? Why are you doing that? What, why, why don't you swear? Why don't you, you know, why don't you do all these things? And they know, they, they can see, well, you're, you're, you're a Christian. I carry the name of Jesus. I represent the person of Jesus. And I don't take that off and I can't put that on. Like if you've been called by him, you are his. And you walk in every day as his representative. Not just a Sunday or at a life group or when we feel super spiritual. It's in all of those moments of life. Does this mean we're perfect? No. Not in the least. We make mistakes. We stuff up. We still sin. But in those moments, we're humble enough to seek forgiveness, restoration, because that's what the nature of Jesus in us would do. With great power comes great responsibility. You think about the people that you've been called to serve, to minister to, to love, to bless your family, whatever. The, the, the authority that you walk in, you, you gotta, there's responsibility that comes with that. To properly display Jesus to this world. To be a witness to the Christ that has set us free. To show that this is the God that we serve. You show that. You show that. So may the Lord take us to a greater place of understanding the power that is in His name. But may He ground us in our identity, guard us with intimacy, and move us into this place where we live from wholeness in Christ Jesus and bring about His purpose and His plan. In Jesus' name. It's not just the way to end a sermon either. I want to pray this morning. I really do like praying. (laughs) But I pray that that revelation would go into our hearts today, the power and the authority that comes with the name of Jesus, but also the responsibility as we carry that. And maybe you're here this morning and you are, I don't know, you've got some stuff that's going on that may skew that, may may affect that. Uh, Well, I'm just going to pray that God would highlight that to us and would do the work in our hearts to bring us to that place. Yeah? Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that as we look into the scriptures, we don't just see empty words on a page. We see the word that is alive and active. We thank you for the example of the disciples who walked on this earth before us and saw these incredible miracles take place, not because of who they were, but because of the name of Jesus. And we know that in this room today, that that name has lost no power. That over time, as history has been built, that that name has lost no power. That that name still holds the highest port of authority in this universe. That the name of Jesus is above every other name. The power has not diminished. The authority has not diminished. That name stays the same. 
And today we pray for the revelation in our hearts of the power and authority of the name of Jesus. We pray that as we step into walking in a relationship with you, that we would see your authority outworked in our lives. That as we call upon the name of Jesus, that we would see people healed, that we would see people delivered, that we would see people set free. Not because of who we are, but because of the authority in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you that there is no other name. Muhammad doesn't have the power. Buddha doesn't have the power. It is the name of Jesus that is above every other name. And we declare that we are Jesus' people. That the banner that is raised over us is Jesus. That it is Jesus that has united us and brought us together. That we gather in the name of Jesus. We worship in the name of Jesus. We fellowship in the name of Jesus. And today we pray in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now, God, for every person in this room who may have uh, some, some tension or some struggle in their identity or even their walk with you. Lord, would you do the work that only you can do in our hearts? Would you show us who you are, whose we are, who we are, and why we are on this earth today? May you restore broken identity. May you remind us that we are sons before we are servants. That we are your children before we are ministers. That we are yours before anything we do. And God, would you help us to have a close walk with you? A walk that would not stray to the left or to the right, that wouldn't even look to detour or to be distracted, but to walk so closely with you. That you may guard us, you guard our hearts as we follow you. And God, that you would help us to represent you well in this world. I know that this world is looking for something real. This world is looking for more than religion. This world is looking for more than buildings with crosses on them. The world is looking for people who know the truth and live as if they have been set free. So God, would you help us to live as the redeemed, as those who have been called and set apart for your purposes and your glory. And that we would represent you well in this world. We pray these things in the mighty, majestic, and absolutely matchless name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.